Hey everybody, it's Matt Zola from Fern Creek Christian Church. So glad you're able to tune in with us today. Hey, while you're on your phone, why don't you go ahead and follow us on social media at Fern Creek CC on Facebook and Instagram. And you can download the Fern Creek Christian Church app on your phone today. We hope this message encourages you to become a better follower of Jesus, to be a disciple that makes more disciples. So without further ado, here's the message. It's great to see you. Thanks for sharing your Sunday with us. Hey, before we get to the message, God continues to be on the move, and we want to celebrate some other decisions. We saw this great one right here, and uh, some of our kids just got back from camp, and we had two amazing young ladies to give their life to Christ, and they were baptized. Kylie Asbel and Aubrey Dunn were baptized a couple days ago at camp, so let's welcome them. Family, yeah, it's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna prepare you. Today's gonna be a hard day. We're we're working through the Sermon on the Mount, 17 weeks in the Sermon on the Mount, and there are certain topics that we come to that that we just have got to land on, and we've got to acknowledge this is hard. This is tough, and, and today is gonna be one of those. So I'm gonna ask you to buckle up, and uh, is going not not a lot of fun, not a lot of humor today, because we're, we're frankly talking about something that's not so funny. Not so humorous at all. And we're going to be talking about divorce. Okay, that's where we are in the Sermon on the Mount. And so in prep for this, I was, I was thinking about divorce and, and I came across an article that talked about the 10 shortest celebrity marriages of all time. So I'll, let me read this, right? So, so, so number five on the list, Dennis Rodman, Carmen Electra, married for nine days. After nine days, Dennis Rodman filed for an annulment saying he wasn't in his right mind. <laughs> Dennis Rodman. I'll let you run with that one, okay? Number two on the list, Britney Spears, Jason Alexander, 55 hours of marital bliss where Britney changed her mind and she said, I was just being silly and rebellious. And so we got, we got divorced. Uh, the, the number one couple is not really a celebrity couple. They're an unnamed couple in Kuwait, but they, they're on the list because they hold the record for the shortest marriage ever, three minutes. Yeah, true, true. Not making this up, three minutes. Got married in front of a judge. On, on their way out, she tripped and she fell. Her knight in shining armor ran over to her, looked down and said one word, stupid. She picked herself up, walked right back into the judge and said, I'm out. I'm done. True story. True story. In 2021, in this country, there were over 689,000 divorces. It's a big number. I'm like, how does that even compute? One every 45 seconds. One every 45 seconds. 45% of first marriages, 60% of second marriages, 73% of third marriages will end in divorce. It doesn't get any better, right? Uh, this one really stood out to me. 20 to 25-year-olds have the highest divorce rate of any age group at 60%, 20 to 25-year-olds. The average length of a marriage ending in divorce is eight years. Now, 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 uh, divorce deeply impacts everybody it touches. Houses get sold, assets are divided, sides are formed, kids have to learn how to live two different places. It's painful, it's heartbreaking, Man, it's incredibly hard. And I want you to know, divorce was just as painful, just as difficult in the day of Jesus. So much so that again, as we come to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us two verses, 52 words 
uh, on the topic of divorce. Now, this is not the only thing he will have to say about it. It's not the only thing the Bible says about divorce. So, so when we read these two verses, these 52 words, we're looking at a small slice of the, of the entire pie of what the Bible has to say about it. And I realize in 35 minutes, there's no way I can cover the topic of divorce adequately. There's so many unique and different situations. And as many of us are listening, are gonna listen to this message, we're, we're gonna try to unlock uh, our divorce. We're gonna put our situation into uh, the equation. And so you're gonna maybe ask, was my d divorce biblical? Am I free to divorce? Does this mean I should get a divorce? Can I remarry or do I have to stay single? For those of you who are single, you're gonna listen to this marriage and go, I don't even know if I wanna get married or after this, right? So, so I get it. And, and as I talk, I want you to know, there are a handful of sermons I can remember that I have approached with such anxiety than this one. I stand before you today with fear and trembling, praying I have this right. I'm gonna be held accountable for what I teach you and that, 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 that forces me to every single week go, God, please let me get this right. Um, I also acknowledge that some of us church folks have done great damage to people who've gone through divorce. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you were deeply wounded by someone religious. Maybe you were belittled, given the evil eye. Maybe you were pushed out of a church. Maybe you were demeaned, defriended, disowned. If you've ever been hurt by someone religious because of what you had to go through and that nobody could really understand it, but they, boy, they judged you for it. I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I pray that this sermon today will either begin or continue your journey to Jesus and your either beginning or continual health and recovery in something that's incredibly painful. Now, before we talk about divorce, let's make sure we understand the biblical intent, the, the original design for what marriage is even supposed to be. Jesus tells us, look at Matthew chapter 19, at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. He'll be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. So right here, we, we see God's design for marriage. One man one woman for one life. That's the, that's the plan. That's the design. And anything, anything outside of that is an abandonment of the divine design. Brings us to our text for the day, the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to the words of Jesus, Matthew 5, 31. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you, that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Whew. You know this is the fourth time, fourth out of six. There'll be two more after this. We'll unpack them in the weeks to come. Fourth time, Jesus, in the middle, in this little section of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you've heard it said, but I tell you. What's he doing? He's trying to correct false application. 
there were all kinds of people taking the Bible of the day and you know, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, and putting their twists and their spin. A lot of false preaching going on. So Jesus is coming. So people are telling you, but I tell you. Here's the truth about this passage. So when Jesus says, you've heard it said, what is he talking about? He's quoting Moses. He's quoting the book of Deuteronomy about the certificate of divorce. Let me read it for you. It's Deuteronomy 24.1. If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, and sends her from his house. That's, you've heard it said, a certificate of divorce. That's where it's coming from. Now, what is Jesus doing? In the day that Jesus is preaching this, there's a theological civil war brewing, ra raging over what did Moses mean when he says, if you find something indecent. Women couldn't, in, Jew, in, Jewish, in the Jewish faith, women couldn't divorce their husbands. The men could divorce their wives if they found something indecent. And what, what is this indecent thing? And this was the civil war because there were two seminaries. There were two rabbinic schools that taught two very different things about what the indecent thing was. There was the school of Shammai run by Rabbi Shammai who said, there's only one thing uh, that could be indecent and that's marital unfaithfulness. So the school of Shammai taught the only grounds for biblical divorce was if she committed adultery, sexual immorality. And there were people who were like signed up for that school saying, yeah, yeah. But there was another school. There was another rabbi named Rabbi Hillel. And the school of Hillel was liberal and progressive. And they basically said, man, you can divorce. The indecent thing is anything you want it to be. If she bears her shoulder in public, that's indecent. If she talks about your in-laws, that's indecent. If she fries your falafel, I'm not making that up. If she burns your breakfast, you, that's indecent and you can divorce her for that. So this is, the, this is the raging battle in the day of Jesus. Divorce for any reason, divorce for one reason and everybody was arguing about it. Now knowing that, see when you read the Bible, you gotta understand it comes in context. This was the theological civil war. Jesus is stepping right into this. Knowing that, look at Matthew 19. Watch what happens in Matthew chapter 19. The Pharisees are going try to try to come to Jesus to, to figure this out. Matthew 19, 3. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Jesus, do you agree with Rabbi Hillel? That you can, that the indecent thing is anything you want it to be. They're trying to trip, tri, 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 trick him up, right? Now, 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 what Jesus says in each case, Matthew 19, and here in Matthew chapter 5, is he puts the kibosh. He says, no, there is no thing, there is no such thing as a no-fault divorce. Marriage is a sacred, sealed covenant. And the only thing that should, not could, not has to, but the only thing that really could end a marriage is unfaithfulness. And I think we all need to hear that. To, to the unmarried, to the single folks especially, land there with me for a second, because you don't hear that. That's not preached to you today or taught to you today. So listen, what that means is, you know, you wake up one day and you're rolled over and you're like, man, he's lame, he's got a fat gut, he snores, he looks like Urkel, he throws his underwear on the floor. That's not good enough to divorce him. That's not good enough to leave him. Plus, out of all the fish in the sea, you picked him. You took him home, right? 
Guys, if she, you rolled over one day and she's, oh, she's shallow, she's a shopaholic, cold, hysterical, laughs like a seal, has smelly feet, doesn't like what I like, that doesn't give you grounds to leave her. That's not good enough. Out of all the women on the planet, you picked her. All these people in the day of Jesus and all the people today running around saying, you know, we're just, we're just too different. That's why we're just too different. God's not good with that. Plus, listen to me, whatever marriage is, it's a lot of things, but whatever it is, one of the things that you, you're learning how to deal with irreconcilable differences, that's what marriage is about. Anybody you marry is going to be different than you, and thank God for that, right? My wife, Laura, she reads the manuals. I just start pulling buttons, right? She's late. She's a late owl. I'm an early bird. She's a listener. I'm a talker. My wife doesn't go anywhere outside the house without looking like a 10. If I get out of the house looking like a five, it's a good day for me, right? We're just different, but that's all right. And what I'm trying to show you in this raging cultural battle, Jesus puts the kibosh on the liberal view of the day that said divorce for any reason. And maybe, maybe we just need to land there and think hard and pray hard, especially all of our single people to say, you know what, I, I need to really understand that. That what marriage costs, what it requires before I say I do. So Jesus says sexual immorality. Now there's another reason that a divorce could be biblically justifiable. That's why we can't pigeonhole Jesus. Some people, Jesus said there was only one reason. No, he was answering the debate between Shammai and Hillel. Paul, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, is going to come and look into what Paul says. Look at 1 Corinthians 7. Paul says, to the rest I say, I not the Lord... If any brother has a wife who's not a believer and she's willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who's not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife. The unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. So now watch this, here it comes. But if the unbeliever leaves, let him do so. A believing man or woman is not, what's the next word? Bound. Is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. Now what's interesting, again, that's why we can't pigeonhole Jesus. The apostle Paul, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, says, listen, there's another reason that a divorce could probably take place, and that's abandonment. Abandonment. Paul says, if you are abandoned by an unbeliever, an unbeliever, a non-Christian leaves you, that, that, you're free. Now, now, again, before we dive into this, let's just make an obvious point. It's not a good idea to marry a non-Christian. It really isn't. The Bible tells us we're not to be unequally yoked, so we don't date to rehabilitate. Oh, he'll change. She'll, she'll, get her, she'll give her life to Jesus someday. Maybe, but that's a big gamble to take for this relationship, right? So it's, it's, it's not a wise thing to marry a non-Christian if you are one or a Christian who's lukewarm. Just, here, here's, here's my other question. This is the thing that just lodged in my soul. Why does Paul distinguish between a non-Christian and a Christian. He says, if a non-Christian leaves you, he doesn't say anything about a Christian leaving you. And I'm like, well, why is that? So if a non-Christian leaves you, you're not bound. Why didn't he say it if a non-Christian or a Christian leaves you? I don't know the answer, but let me tell you my opinion. I, I think, 
I think what Paul is driving at here, why he doesn't say if a Christian leaves you, because I think in Paul's mind that should never happen. I think in Paul's mind, if you have a Christian husband and a Christian wife, and they're married and there's lots, and the trouble happens and they're arguing and they're fighting. If, if, if the biblical steps for reconciliation take place with two Christian people, at some point, they both ought to come to their mind and go, you know what? It's not about what I think or what I feel. I want to yield to Jesus. And you know what? I said some things that I shouldn't have said and I'm sorry. I did some things I shouldn't have done and I'm genuinely sorry. A Christian man or a Christian woman is going to yield to the Lordship of Jesus. And so I think in Paul's mind, they're just going to work it out. But an unbeliever, an unbeliever who doesn't serve Jesus, who doesn't love Jesus, who has no relationship with Jesus, well, what do I care what this guy Jesus says? What do I care what the church thinks? So, so an unbeliever probably isn't going to yield what they want to what Jesus wants because there's no relationship. So I think Paul makes this distinction. If the unbeliever leaves, let him leave. So, so, so what are we learning? It, sexual immorality can. It doesn't have to. It doesn't mean it should. It could be a justifiable biblical ground for divorce. Abandonment by a non-believing spouse can. Doesn't mean it has to. Doesn't mean it should. It could be a justifiable biblical ground for divorce. Now, now again, we're doing a whole sermon on divorce. What's the goal? The goal is for every marriage to stay together. Work through the stuff. There's always stuff. Work through it. Repent. Give forgiveness. Bear with one another. Be patient. Learn how to sacrifice. And here are a very few, very, very few ways that, that maybe a marriage could, not should, but could end. And I think there's one more. Sexual immorality, abandonment, and I think there's one more. And here is where I pray with fear and trembling that I've got this right. Paul has been talking about a non-believer. If a non-believer leaves, then you're free. Someone who has no relationship with Jesus, someone who doesn't follow Jesus, someone who doesn't submit to the rule and reign of Jesus. So here's the question. Are there times, are there circumstances, are there situations when someone who wears the C on their jersey, someone who, I know the name Jesus, are there times when when that person can either be a non-believer or treated like a non-believer? I think the Bible says yes. Not everybody who claims the name walks with him, serves him, talks with him. And it's not just my opinion. Let, let, let me give you scriptural proof. Listen to the words of Jesus. I, I really, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you a passage Maybe you've grown up here, in, but I want you to stop and I want you to consider the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 18. If your brother sins against you, now stop. He's not talking about your biological brother. He's talking about another Christian. If another Christian does what? Sins against you. Not if he gives you the stink eye or ignored you. If he sins, so he sinned. If a Christian sins and the sin has something to do with you, Go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. 
But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter will be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to, the, to even the church, look at the next two words. Treat him as you would a what? A pagan or a tax collector. There, the context of what Jesus is saying, this is tension between two believers. Not an unbeliever and a believer. No, two believers. One has sinned against the other. Sinned. Not just done a little goofy mistake. Sinned. They're living in sin. And you go, and what's the goal? Reconciliation and repentance. And you say, hey, this is wrong. No, I'm not going to listen. Then you take two or three. No, I'm not going to listen. Then you tell the No, I'm not. Jesus says, then treat them like an unbeliever. Love them. How do we, how do we want to treat them? We, we love unbelievers. But we do not embrace their evilness. We do not affirm their behavior, right? They're not repenting of their sin. They're not yielding to Jesus. So I think Jesus says there are occasions when someone who wears the sea might not really be a believer. Or you at least treat them like an unbeliever because of what they're doing. Paul, um, Apostle Paul will echo this. Paul sends a letter to a young pastor named Timothy who's pastoring a church and he's telling him, again, how to work with Christian people in the church. Listen to what the Apostle Paul tells this young preacher, Timothy. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5 again, writing about how he used to treat the Christians in his church. He says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, talking about his family, if there's a man who doesn't provide for his family, especially for those of his household, he has, tell me the next three words, denied the faith. He's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, I, I, again, I'm not trying to read something or teach you something that's not there. That's there. There are people, again, who can say and do, and I, I took the plunge. I, there are people who can wear the seat but are not living under the rule and reign of Jesus. And again, I'm not talking a battle with sin. We all battle sin and we all got stuff that we're working. I'm talking about a person who doesn't have no relationship. Yeah, I did the thing. Yeah, I said the prayer. Uh, but but I, don't, I don't listen to him. I don't, I don't submit my life to him. I, I have, I, I'll claim it, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna have any fruit of it, right? Now, again, are these people unbelievers? I'm not gonna split that hair. What I'm suggesting is, Maybe there are times when you should and, and you, you could and you should treat someone with the C on their chest like an unbeliever because their fruit of their life is showing you that that's kind of where they're stacking up. Again, we don't celebrate. We don't affirm darkness. And, and again, if you're still struggling, go home today and read 1 Corinthians chapter 5 where Paul talks about uh, people that are senos, Christian in name only. And, and how you're supposed to treat them. Go home and read 1 Corinthians 5. I'll leave that one up to you. So, so, so let, me, let, me, let me come back to where I'm at. Sexual immorality, abandonment by an unbeliever. But there are times when I think you can treat someone like an unbeliever. And here, here's, here it is. Abuse. Abuse. Here's where the fear and trembling comes in. Um, what constitutes Abuse. One time he gets mad and curses at you. One time she gets mad and throws a glass at the wall. That, that's wrong. 
But that is very different, very different from habitual name-calling, habitual, physical, mental, emotional violence or control or damage one person inflicts on another. And I need you to just really focus with me. Punching, slapping, shoving, choking, cursing, isolating, controlling, threatening, forcing, these are all abusive actions. And if this action is being done to you or to the children in your home, you are being abused. And hear my heart. Abuse is not the fruit of a disciple. I don't care what he says. I don't care that she goes to church. Abuse is not the fruit of a believer in Jesus. So, so, so maybe... <laughs> Maybe you're sitting here and, you're, and, and you are doing that to, some, to somebody in your household, your spouse or your child. Who is that guy? And I, I've, not a, I've not abandoned them. I've not left them. By proxy, you have. <laughs> By proxy, you are. You are forcing them away from you. You can abandon your marriage without changing your address. Now, what's the prayer? What's the goal of someone living in an abusive relationship? Divorce. No. No. That's not the goal. That's not what we're hoping to see. The prayer is repentance. The prayer is forgiveness. The prayer is, is change. Right? So if you're in an abusive relationship, you leave, you separate from the abuser and you say, I am not coming back unless this abuse stops and they won't listen. You take somebody else and they won't listen. You take it to the church. What's the hope? The hope is again, especially if they're a Christian, they're going to go, this is not right. I, I am so sorry. I don't know what's gotten into me. I need help and I need, I need to go see something. I need to fix this. And God, I've sinned against heaven and earth. I've sinned against my spouse. I'm so sorry. I repent and I change. And, 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 and so repentance is the goal. And, it, and, and for the one that's been hurt to see genuine change and to say, okay, I'm going to offer forgiveness. I'm going to offer, you know, grace to this person. And we're going to seek to see if God can't heal, redeem, and restore. That's the goal. And if that can't happen, if that won't happen, how can we say to any married person, you've got to stay? I can't tell you how many, I don't do counseling. I'm not a counselor. Can't tell you, though, how many first initial meetings I have with, with people, and it's, it's mostly ladies who talk about their being abused. Now, again, I'm not just talking, like, really hit, hurt, slapped around, pushed, choked. And they said, I've had pastors tell me I can't leave them because he hasn't had sex with someone else. And I just grieve and I'm crushed. And I'm like, Jesus, there's no way he wants that. <laughs> How do we land this plane? Let, let, let me land it this way. To those of you who are married or remarried, let, let, me, let me exhort you. Work hard. Work hard. Work daily on your marriage. Guard it. Keep it healthy. 
keep giving, keep loving, keep appreciating the differences of your spouse. Do you know that phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence? Do you know why that's true? The grass is always greener on the other side. Do you know why that's true? Because they water their grass on the other side. So water your grass. Water your own lawn. Figure out where you're falling short and figure out how to give. And if both people are doing that, those marriages, I think, can thrive. A, a, a poor marriage can be a great marriage. So here's what I want to do. I'd like to pray over our married couples today. I'm not going to have you stand up today. Sometimes we do that. I'm just going to have you stay sitting where you're at. But I want to pray over every married couple today. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Um, married, remarried, if your spouse just so happens to be sitting next to you today, they came with you to church, would you just reach over and hold their hand? Just grab their hand. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for each couple here today who are married. Marriage is a wonderful thing, but boy, it can be hard. So forgive us when we say harsh things. Forgive us when we place more attention on our phones than our spouse. Forgive us for taking each other for granted. Lord, we want to water our own grass. So show us, help us to love, to cherish, to honor our spouse. Help us to honor our vows. Show us how to take our marriage to a new level. Heal, renew, protect these couples. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. 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 To all of our single people, all of our single people, let me, let me encourage, exhort, and pray over you. To those of you who will look to be married, let me just remind you, there's no such thing as a perfect spouse. But I will challenge you to do your due diligence. Know the non-negotiables. Pay attention to the red flags. Don't lower the bar. Have a big argument before you get married. I can't tell you, again, I don't do a lot of counseling. When I marry a couple, I, I get with them like once or twice and we talk about the relationship. And, and one of the questions I tend to ask is, now, have you guys ever had an argument? And I always see the young ones go, no, we'll never argue. <laughs> and I go, oh, Lord, have mercy on you. <laughs> have an argument. See them when life's not fun, right? Let, let, let me... Let me pray for our single people today. Single people, let me pray over you. Lord, we thank you for these brothers and sisters. Lord, we have some here this morning who will follow your call to stay single. Bless them, fill them, be their ever-present helpmate. Lord, for those not yet looking or for those who are actively seeking a husband or a wife, Lord, help them figure out the non-negotiables. Help them understand the cost, the commitment marriage requires. Give them wisdom to see the heart of those they date. Give them strength when they refuse to lower the bar and it gets lonely. While no one is perfect, far from it, lead them to a spouse who loves, who serves, who honors you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Now to those of you who are divorced or you're going through a divorce right now, 
Maybe you had no idea what the Bible said. Maybe you knew exactly what the Bible said and you left anyway. Maybe you had cause, maybe you didn't have cause. Maybe you were the one who got left and you begged and pleaded, don't leave, and they left anyway. Maybe today you're, you're basking in the gratitude of God's healing that he has continued to put the pieces of your life back together. Maybe today you feel this need to repent. Maybe today you feel nothing but sadness. You feel nothing but grief. Maybe today you're sitting, listening to all of this, thinking to yourself, have I committed some unpardonable sin? Is God mad at me? Can God ever forgive me? Am I somehow a lesser Christian because I've been divorced? Look at me. God loves you with every fiber of his being. Divorce is not the unforgivable sin. You are not a lesser Christian. You are not destined to wear a scarlet D around your neck your entire life. While you can't go back, you can't go back. No one can go back. God's not calling you to go back. What God's calling you to do is to move forward. Move forward. There is mercy, there is grace, there is love, there is healing. God is not done with you. He's got plans for you. Glorify him, live for him, seek him in all that you do. So let me pray. Let me pray over anyone who's divorced, been divorced, going through a divorce. Let me pray over you today. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for these brothers and sisters. And while every circumstance is so unique, one thing is the same. These are your sons and daughters whom you love so very much. Lord, so many needs today. For those seeking forgiveness, let them know you're a forgiving God. For those who are engulfed by fear, not knowing what to do next, let them know you're a leading God. For those who are still bound by chains of anger, teach them to forgive and leave their prison of resentment. For those who've been hurt, ridiculed, abandoned, mocked, left alone, let them know you were too. On the cross, you felt every ounce of that. Lord, please let these dear brothers and sisters know that we love them, we're for them, we stand with them. Let them know that divorce does not define them. You define them. You have plans, you have love, you have ministry, you have life. You have dreams that are still to come. Continue your healing journey for us all. And Lord, as we take communion, little cups in the pew rack in front of us, as we do every single Sunday, we bring our brokenness, we bring our sin, we bring our shortcomings, we bring our frustration, we, we bring it to the foot of the cross. It's a very safe place. So God, whatever talks need to take place as we take communion and think about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus as we think about the blood of Christ that purifies all unrighteousness. May we find what we need as we bow and yield to Jesus, our Savior. I pray this in his name. Amen. Let's celebrate communion together. 
Hey, it's Matt Zola again. That was a powerful message we just heard. I pray that what we have learned today wouldn't just be stored in our minds, but would move into our hearts and help us to be conformed into the image of God's Son, Jesus. And I pray that that message helped you become a better follower of Jesus and taught you how to love, live, and lead like Jesus. If you want to talk with somebody about something you just heard or you want prayer for something going on in your life, there's somebody on staff who would love to connect with you. Why don't you email us at office at ferncreekcc.org and we want to put a name to your face. We want to know your story and we want to connect with you in person if we can. Again, that's office at ferncreekcc.org. You know, one of the things we value at Fern Creek Christian Church is being a part of community. If you've been listening to our sermons online or you've been watching our services on YouTube or Facebook, why don't you come visit us in person one Sunday? We would love to get to know who you are, and we believe that we grow better as followers of Jesus in community and not in isolation. You know, God gives us community as a gift. We have services every Sunday morning, 845, 10, and 1115, and we hope that you'll feel welcomed enough to be able to join us and worship with us in person. Thanks for tuning in today. Grace, peace, bless others this week.